everybody. Welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. I'm your host, Tyler Bell, writer, creator of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Dark Fiction Podcast, which you're listening to right fucking now, man. Welcome. Welcome back to the, uh, welcome back to the show. It's been a little while. Um, sorry to everyone as per usual for things being, um, completely descheduled, completely late, completely crazy. Uh, life has just been a lot. Life has been a lot for the last three months, two months, three. It's, I think it's three months. It's fucking November now. Somehow. I don't know. I had a crazy ass summer and, uh, an equally crazy early fall um i i think i've just officially bitten off more than i can chew and i'm trying to do too many different things and very soon i am going to be cutting down on um extra projects here and there some things are going to have to go uh to make room for other endeavors um that are more successful going forward uh, one of the more successful endeavors, and it's something that you guys should check out if you get a chance, is uh, my live stream, Westside Tyler Live, which some of you may or may not know about. Uh, it's a good way to connect with me if you want to come hang out. It's Mondays through Thursdays, uh, 7.30 to 11.30 p.m. on YouTube. It's the Westside Tyler channel. It's mostly like art and commentary focus. Not really the same stuff as the podcast, but it is exploding um, in popularity, it's not like massive yet. I'm not even to 500 subs, but normally it takes you like, apparently the, the industry average for getting to a thousand subs is like two years. And, um, I've been doing this for two months and we're probably going to hit a thousand in about a hundred days from now. That's according to like the social blade project projections. It might be even faster. And then once you get to your thousand, you're kind of like in the mainstream of YouTube and you can make money um, and you start getting um, a lot more algorithm treatment. And yeah, I'm really excited that I've had a lot of crossover from the stream um, into the podcast. It seems like it's the best way I've come across so far to get new eyes on the West side fairy tales and more importantly on my creativity and stuff and my writing. So, um, in other news, uh, the, the books have hit a series of snafus. Um, it's not my fault. (laughs) That's what I can tell you. Um, it's just a bunch of issues with, uh, basically trying to get things finished through our publisher It's just extremely slow right now. Um, I wish things were going faster. We were supposed to be out by Halloween. I think that was way too ambitious, and we did not achieve that goal at all. I should have just been more a little bit more upfront with them about I don't think that that would have been possible for all of their uh, them to get all of that stuff done. They just have a little bit too much going on. They're a little spread too thin and a bit off more than they can choose. So unfortunately, um, the book is taking a little while to get out. I'm sorry to you guys that you're still waiting for uh, books to arrive. Uh, I am sorry um, to everybody who is eagerly awaiting all of the hardcover, softcover releases. I, uh, I It's literally out of my hands because I am not the publisher. I can't get anything done. Anything, I can't do anything faster 
And uh, unfortunately, we are waiting for everything else to get finished. So with that said, just kind of keep your ears, eyes, whatever, open for announcements um, coming up soon regarding that. And uh, you'll be able to get your copies here in the mail, signed, all that good shit. Um, Thanks to everybody in general for being patient with me. It's been a pain in the butt. With all that said, um, I think we have a pretty interesting show for you today. We're going to be talking about Blasphemous 2, a game I uh, really, really enjoyed. It's so wild. It's such a good sequel, too. Um, That was just like a thing when I was growing up is, and I've noticed it now that I've been trying to kind of like go back to old video games, was that the Nintendo area or the Nintendo era of games was not as gold as I thought it was at the time. It was very much gold leaf around giant chunks of lead <laughs> in the occasional, the occasional actual gold nugget. I think I bring that up mostly because I recently spent like 30 bucks on the full Mega Man collections, every Mega Man game, like all of them, except for the two that I want the most, which is Mega Man Legends 1 and 2. Um, and I think they're missing some of the, like the random weird games. There's like Mega Man versions of like Dr. Mario and shit, but no one wants to play that fucking garbage. Uh, but like Mega Man X is my favorite Mega Man game. And so I was just like, okay, cool. You know, all these other ones. And then I played Mega Man X two, which I also kind of liked and Mega Man X three, which was pretty good. And so like, I was like, maybe when they get into the PlayStation era, they're going to get better. And it's absolutely not true. They are, they are terrible games. (laughs) They are so fucking bad uh, that it's, it's, it's beyond it's, it's beyond the pale, how fucking terrible they are. Um, And it's kind of hard to describe, especially if you haven't played Mega Man X, Mega Man X is a, a, a run and shoot, run, shoot, jump old school, like video game. The Super Nintendo version is Mega Man X, okay? And then the old Nintendo versions are Mega Man. And so Mega Man X was them trying to breathe new life into the franchise and kind of bring the old Mega Man play style into the Mega Man, like into the modern era of 1993, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, The old Mega Man games, in my opinion, are not great, not good. Um, They were probably awesome at the time, but they have aged like milk. Uh, they're fucking hideous. They're hard uh, to control. They're Nintendo hard, which is a, a concept people don't bring up anymore. And they should uh, because there's a, lot of <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't know, especially in the criticism world, how to articulate that a game's too hard without sounding like fucking morons. Nintendo hard generally doesn't exist any, anymore. And I'm going to explain what that phrase means before I get back to the thing and then I get back to Blasphemous. Nintendo hard is a concept from the original NES console that basically the games didn't have a lot of game in them. So like actually like Ninja Gaiden is like the best example. No, actually the best example is Contra. Um, Contra and Contra 2. I think... It's Contra 2... No, I'll just go with Contra. Contra is actually only about... I shit you not, and you'll, you won't believe me unless you watch like a playthrough. It's about five minutes long. There's literally only about five 
total minutes of playtime if you play the game effectively enough that the enemies don't really slow you down that much. And basically, because of the controls being pretty bad, um, they're not like modern standard controls where you actually feel like you're really like breathing into the character and the character's doing whatever you want. It's very clunky. The response time on button pushes is not always perfect. The button pushes themselves don't always do exactly what you want. There's confusing power-ups. There's confusing gameplay. Bosses are just like, what even is this? And it's not in a sense of mystery or anything. Um, the, the game is purposefully made overly hard. You know, just sliders are turned up. Damage is turned to max for the enemies. It's turned to minimum for you. So that you have to play the game perfectly to beat it. Um, and by doing that, you can artificially extend the lifetime of a game, sometimes past infinite, because it's technically, in some cases, quite literally technically unbeatable. That happened in old games where they would actually release games that you would have to have superhuman levels of concentration. And especially if it was in a, uh, an arcade, an infinite, near infinite amount of quarters to even be able to like... uh you know, trial and error your way into figuring out how things were done. Battletoads is a, 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 a standard example of this. Um, Battletoads had lives. The lives system is a thing from back in the day that you just do not see anymore because it's not really necessary or particularly good uh, to have. Like you don't need lives in video games. Um, Kind of in general, I don't think that they're particularly valuable. There are games like uh, Cuphead and stuff that have brought the life system back. I.e., every time you die, you have like a counter of one to four lives or something. And then, um, you know, you whatever, you have to restart the stage. In that case, especially in like Cuphead, in Cuphead, when you run out of lives, you just can't play at the level of progression in like a long form stage anymore. You got You get sent back out into the uh, the game world. Or the overworld. In those old games, once you ran out of lives, you were basically just done playing. Like, that was it. So you would have to stop and start farming lives. You know, you would have to start, like, like literally, even in a game like Mega Man X, which is a good one, you had to figure out and remember where certain places are and then start, uh, start um, like, literally just farming lives and stuff and remember passwords and shit really complicated 16 digit code passwords to get back into the part of the level you were at. The really old Nintendo games were extremely, extremely bad about it. Um, and one of the first games, one of my favorite types of games ever, my favorite, basically favorite type of game was it's called Metroid and then Castlevania. They became the Metroidvania games, which kind of threw the live system and the levels system sort of almost completely. And then in other aspects, completely out the window. Um, but like I said, I'll get into why those are great. When I start talking about Castlevania here in a second, Mega Man X was my favorite game. Right. And then I found out it was the only good one from that entire series of games that actually rose to the level. Even Mega Man X has problems. It has the life system. If you run out of lives, it's fucking game over. And then you have to put in a code, you know, and like go back there. So you have to be really, really cautious and like leave areas and then go to a, a bullshit area and start farming lives from bats and stuff. So you have like 15, 20 lives if you want to go try to fight Sigma at the very end of it and keep going back and back and back again. 
And so even in this, um, this game, right? The, these, these modern ones, they still have the live system and they have like battery backup memory and things kind of like just cheating into the game. But in addition to that, they just have like the Nintendo hard. And so I heard people even talking about Mega Man 11, which is technically the newest installation of any of those games. And it's like a Mega Man game, but like modern era. And I played it for a full hour and a half. And I was just like, I'm not enjoying this because it is Nintendo hard. Um, it's like an excessive, an excessive amount of perfect playing is needed to like get through levels. Like you're not going to just even get to the boss and then get smoked and kicked out. Um, you just have to do all that. And then like, like literally there's just instant kill traps just everywhere. And no one likes an instant kill trap. Um, in, in, in a general sense, they just kind of suck you know, and like if there's one area or something where they're kind of like, hey, mid to high tier difficulty to avoid, you know, that's fine. But in this game, they're just like it's level after like area after area after area in a level where if you make like one mistake in the jump, you have to restart the entire level from the beginning, which is just like. It's just not worth it for me, and it does have that Nintendo hard vibe to it which is also kind of coupled with the fact that as a game, it just isn't particularly fun. Um, if, if you're the kind of person that likes an extreme amount of challenge, you know, like this, that would probably be the game for you, but only if you like it in like platformers, specifically shooter platformers. Um, there's not much in the way of like lore. There's no like interesting characters. There's really not, even much in the way of interesting enemy designs. A lot of it's just like, Hey man, do you remember this from 1986? Like that's that fish monster. That's the little guy with the the helmet that's in everything. It's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But then that's, that's pretty much it. And there's not a lot of, not a lot of interesting looking monsters and stuff. There's not even as many interesting, like, Oh, they're robots, whatever. There's not even as many interesting ones in 11 as there are in like Mega Man X or Mega Man X three, which are both like two of my favorites. And um, I think X3 is the one I really like. Yeah, because X2 is the one that's like, it's like, why is why does this game look flat half the time? But I digress. But like, you know, um, in Mega Man X, there were so many characters or so many like random enemies that had like multiple stages of like their life cycle or like their abilities. Like there was little flying guys with grabber arms on the bottom and they would fly in and try to drop bombs on you. But then their little grabber arms would be empty and they would fly up and you could try to shoot them. But sometimes they would drop the bomb and then they would freeze and then they would try to grab you and like fly you over a pit and drop you. And like, that's kind of cool. And like so many of the enemies had that. There's like, you know, little guys with shields. Then like they go block, shoot, 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 block, shoot, shoot, shoot. And if you shoot their shield, they'll block it and hit it. And like it'll slow them down. You can try to jump over the top of them. Or, you know, if you blow up their shield, they'll start just like shooting a much larger stream of bullets that that's kind of hard to jump. And so like that changes up. And like some of those guys will also be riding in like gigantic mech suits and you can shoot the mech suit and fight it like a mini boss. Or you can very accurately shoot them out of the mech suit and then you can jump in it and then you have the little punchy mech suit, which sometimes you have to do so that you can like break down like little walls and stuff. It's very cool. And there's like upgrades to find inside every level that are like hidden and you, but you can kind of see them 
and you're like, okay, so there's something about this where like, I need to find something that lets me jump off of a wall like this. I need to find something that lets me break whatever these blocks are and you know, this, this, that, and the other. And it's very involved. Like Mega Man X is like dense and it does have like a bunch of characters, like all talking and stuff. You've got zero, you've got vile, you've got Sigma and light like, and you're like in this kind of post-apocalyptic thing. Like you just woke up and like Dr. Light is, I think dead by now, but like his ghost lingers on. Yeah. Because it's not, yeah, he's dead, but he leaves capsules because he made you forever ago and then like kind of locked you away. And that's kind of like, it's kind of cool and like weird and dystopic. Like it's such a good game. And then none of the other ones kind of like live up to that. And it's sad. And like, that's the thing about sequels, especially back in the day is like a lot of the times there would be one game and it would be particularly good. And then you would get a sequel to it. That was just ass. Like it was just like the worst sequel ever because they would just kind of like uh, cash grab onto it. Or you would get like extra games in a series that weren't particularly good. Um, and, and you didn't really hear anything from the indie scene, but uh, like, my two favorite games on that console were definitely Mega Man X and Super Metroid. And Super Metroid is like one of the king games. Like it has aged like wine. You know what I mean? If if you could go, if somebody remastered that game, not like that much, just kind of like updated the art style, not to like 3D or like super pixel, but like to like a good looking animated kind of like something like Blasphemous, like the way that Blasphemous works. I think, um, and then just kind of fix the controls to make them a little bit more streamlined. I think it would, it would be on par with the best video games of today in the Metroidvania genre. Obviously like whatever the little 12 year old fucking cracked out shooter monkey kids are, are playing, you know, they want to fucking Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite. Uh, that might not be up there alley, but for all the kids that want to play that other stuff, it, it it's the best. And the things that those games did, different is there they do a lot of like inter like like diegetic storytelling like that was a big thing for super metroid is you kept finding all of these really unique and bizarre areas and i've said this in probably like hollow knight reviews and stuff back in the back in the day of this podcast um but like you see the areas mixing into each other and not only does it kind of make the world feel alive but it also gives you a sense when you find like Hey, there's a hidden door up there or like that's an area I can't reach, but it looks like Brinstar up there and I'm down here in like Norfair or whatever. Like I wonder if there's actually an entrance to this area from up in Norfair and you start seeing like enemies and you're like this enemy type doesn't belong here and it's kind of fighting at a disadvantage because it's like an air area type enemy. So why is it here? And then you find out like that this whatever this piece of a spaceship or something i'm not being specific with this example but like a piece of piece of a spaceship crashed through the air area and now like the hull of that ship is a tunnel leading from that part all the way down into this like super deep subterranean place you just haven't seen the spaceship or you have seen it and you were confused because you're like I was just walking on in this in the middle area and for some reason there's a giant steel wall here and i don't get it and that's like what's it's amazing. Like the, the storytelling is just in the ground itself. It's just like going for a walk outside and you're like, 
I wonder what happened to like make this Canyon. I like, I, how did, how did this house get out here on the middle of this, like nowhere path, you know, and you can kind of do the storytelling for yourself. And while you're walking around in like Metroid, super Metroid is insane. It's like one of the best horror games ever. Um, even though it's not specifically into the horror genre, but there's the moody atmosphere of it is amazing because every once in a while you do find like, other like and it's not often and it's not like you know like oh there's a massacre scene and then you pick up a fucking audio log and it's like september 16th north air space command the ship is going down we blah, 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 and you like you listen to like some long thing about i don't know some guy's sob story about his dead wife and bullshit no it's just like you find like one random discarded suit of armor being eaten by like these flies that aren't even enemy type enemies it's just like a, a novel, unique creature sprite that you can't interact with. It's just there to eat this other dead character. Like it has nothing to do with you. You experiencing it is the only like interaction that you have. And then like you're always afraid of the Metroids, and you know what the Metroid looks like from the beginning. And then you get deeper into that game, and you find like an area that's kind of like got a like a. Uh, it goes from the water area to being like, oh man, this is kind of like. It's almost got like a lab vibe to it. And there was a lab sort of area up there, but it's really alien. It's definitely not like the laboratory a human would use. And then you start seeing these like fucking funky mutated, not quite Metroid things that sort of act like Metroids, but they're nowhere near as dangerous, but they're about twice as irritating. And that's just so cool. And then you kind of like, you can kind of just start putting all of the pieces together. And there's basically no words, you know, you just kind of like go from part to part to part to part to part. And if you want to learn more about it, you open the manual and kind of read it. And that's just great. And there's no lives. You just go and you find save stations and you make progress in one direction. And then you hit a limit of progress in that direction and you go in another one. And man, that game is just fucking great. And you can always just stop and like, think, man, I can't fight this boss. I need to go find more health packs. I need to go find more missile packs, super missile packs. I need to go explore the world a bunch more so I can find more of these unlockables and have a bigger arsenal with which to fight this guy. Otherwise I'm going to get my, my shit stomped in again. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just fire. Like those games are great. And that brings me back to blasphemous, uh, blasphemous one. I know I gave it a glowing review when it came out, although it did have some problems, most of which were, the kind of uninvolved upgrade system, you know, you had the rosary. I think I told you guys about this. And back then you had a rosary with like 16 slots or something. It's an absurd amount of slots. Maybe it was eight. I don't know, but you have a little rosary thing and you can put the beads of rose, different types of beads that you find on the rosary to affect your overall skills and stuff and blah, 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 blah. Um, it was kind of like a, a mix and some of the rosary beads were really up. Like they were just insanely, insanely fucking strong. And, uh, they, they were, I can't remember. Like, one of them was just basically like you're immune to being damaged when, um, you're healing, which makes you like, you know, unable to be touched while you're healing. And then another one was like, you can't get you don't take like touch damage from enemies, which is like half of the damage in the game. So you can just put those two on and it's almost like cheat codes to like get to the end, which I still played with them on. I don't care, but um, the game wasn't too hard in the first place anyway. 
So it wasn't like I was like, I'm missing out on a real challenge. It was mostly like these guys went for form and like art and kind of expression over the different path of like gameplay. They had their, their amount of resources that they could use and they focused on what they wanted to do the most, which was create this extremely bizarre artsy fucking weirdo, uh, black Spain, scary Spanish inquisition type Catholic world, which I fucking love Catholic mythos is fire and people need to use it more in, in shit. Anyway, the Bible it who gives a fuck fuck the bible that shit's like mid okay like if you if all you know about like catholicism is like bible shit and like yeah blood and bones at mass kind of shit you're you're only half deep dude the auto cannibalism aspect of of fucking catholicism is not even the most intense shit once you start getting into the saints and like the little side stories and shit and like descriptions of things that happened and like legends, it goes off the fucking chain. Especially if you like start looking at like the way that people dressed and stuff, especially in like the 15, 1600s, it was like, we're scaring the peasants. That's what we do. We scare the fuck out of the peasants. They're terrified. And there are places like, and especially in Europe and especially in Spain too, where the, the Catholicism kind of like never abated in most of the rest of Europe. Um, you had following like the inquisitions, which left a bad taste in basically everybody's mouth because kind of no one escaped from those unscathed. Um, even like the Catholic populace, you had uh, a lot of reformations and shit going out throughout the entirety of Europe. You had them, you had reformations in Bohemia. You had reformations, obviously in England, the Lutherans, the 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one, uh, up on the door. And so like what, what kind of happened is that the Holy Roman empire, which was basically like, Hey, you're the King, the coolest King in Europe, but like Rome runs shit religiously. We won't necessarily overrule your affairs of state. We will for sure meddle with them and we want tribute, but also we are going to give you the like religious nod so that like, it gives you just extra juice whenever you're, you're, dealing with anything. You're the Holy Roman emperor, even though you're just the king of one of the many nations of, of, of Europe. And like, that's a very small explanation. That's probably kind of like half accurate, but like at that time shit was wild and it was everywhere. And then people kind of got sick of that system. And so like Catholicism in general got diminished, basically started like where in England, it's kind of like the real start of like Protestant, Protestant, Protestantism. And then they had, you know, numerous schisms, schism after schism, after schism, after schism. Cause once that control fell off, everyone's like, well, I kind of want to run things the way I want to run it. And so you had Protestants. And then after that, then you started having Methodists and Puritans and all this bullshit, whatever. I don't know. They made up their own shit, which is fucking fire. Just making up your own religion based off of a normal, like a real religion is, is, is hilarious. If you feel like that's being dismissive, it, it is because it's goofy. <laughs> it's so weird. It's weird that there could be schisms in religions at all. It feels like the second it happens, if that's like a real thing, like God should literally just be eliminating like the wrong half, right? Or you should do it. If you had any fucking balls, you would go and you would do like a good old fashioned 
religious genocide, but you don't, you know why? Cause you don't stand for shit. <laughs> um, but Catholicism is freaking ridiculous, man. Like if, if there has to be any, any of them in charge, I definitely want Catholicism because it, it gives you like a good, like, man, if God isn't real, y'all are fucking crazy evil and everything looks death metal, man. You got churches with spikes coming off of them and shit. We got a fucking literal dead guy hanging over the altar with fucking a hole in them. If you go to some real like good Catholic churches, some real like fucking money shit, like the one that I went to when I was a kid um, and I got baptized and stuff at Holy Family, Cincinnati, Ohio. I, every time I go in there, I always try to find St. Sebastian all fooled up with fucking arrows on the ceiling. Just a giant, you know, uh, that little tilt of his head, arrows all up in him. And I mean, with that, there's just this history of like repression and violence uh, that, that, that shows in like the art and the stories that are surrounding it. So like not only if you're a Catholic, do you have like the, the, the Bible, whatever, it's fine. It's the Bible. It, it, we've been there, done that. You also have the post biblical, like saints and miracles and shit, which are part of like what you call the church canon. And that shit goes fucking hard. It is absolute insanity. It is fucking untreated schizophrenics in the 1650s convincing people that the fucking sun is going to come down out of the sky because God is in their head telling them to. And everyone's like, fuck, I'm going to listen to these people. And I don't know if it was the 1600s. That might've been fucking like literally the 1800s or 1900s. And like everybody just knelt down by a well that may have been spewing toxic gases. And they just watched the sun spin around and dance in the sky and just were like, yep, that's fucking God is looking upon us. He's spinning the fucking sun around in the sky. Not in the Bible, bro. This is post new Testament shit. This is all appendices that are technically like a little arrow that goes between revelation and all the other shit that, that, that hits before it. It's fucking awesome. If you, if you write horror or you want to be a horror writer, Um, or you have opinions on Catholicism and you're like, I don't know if I like aspects of this. You need to start reading, uh, Catholic church canon and just start getting into the, the, the 2000 years after fucking, uh, after Christ got fucking deuced is money, wild shit, Constantinople, uh, walking out. And seeing like a sign in the sky that says in hoax signal winkes in this sign, we conquer. He literally said, I saw Jesus Christ's literal cross 10,000 feet high and 3000 feet wide in the sky draped in a flaming banner that says in this sign, we conquer. And he switched fucking Rome from paganism to Christianity fundamentally setting up the the Christian church and fucking swept his enemies. Like that shit is so, that shit is so fucking gnarly. And no one ever talks about that. I got to hear about loaves and fishes again. Shut the fuck up. I don't give a fuck about no Jesus Christ. He's dead. He's going to come back and kill us all. We fucked up. We shouldn't have killed him. There's that. That's one of the best parts about Catholicism. Catholicism, Catholicism. I'm not talking about Christianity. Evangelicals, 
uh, uh, Methodist Baptists, be be fucking be still. You know not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the wild shit. Oh man, we had so many classes on this stuff, and like. <laughs> This is like I'm a fucking mythology head reading like as an eight year old reading all the Greek and fucking Roman myths and stuff and a bunch of the Egyptian ones and stuff, too. And then I get back to class and I'm not going to lie, man, the, the Catholics are just like the first new religion to start making up their own shit. And they're freestyling on the fly for like 2000 years. If we could have written down more shit, if there were fewer, if there were more scribes, dude, the Catholic canon would be its own new Bible that is just on, on some other fucking shit. People get flayed all the time. There's fucking like skin banners, fucking people plucking out their eyes because they, they've fucking accidentally thought they witnessed an angel, you know, the fucking St. Francis of a sissy walking around petting them dogs or whatever the hell it is. He did. You have all the monks. Monks are going crazy this whole time. Monks are in fucking just, it's a bunch of closeted and uncloseted gay dudes whose families are like, we're done with you. Go live in a stone house with 25 other men wearing nothing but robes in the woods. And you can do whatever you want as long as it's like fundamentally in a basic way, religiously. And they're like, okay, what we're going to do is fuck like all the time just an insane amount of sex and we are going to brew alcohol we're going to invent modern beer but we are going to put hardcore amounts of wormwood and like magic mushrooms in it trip nuts we're going to draw books all we're going to write religious stories over and over and over again as scribes all day and draw dicks and butts and all the margins and fart jokes and shit and uh, just 800 years of that. And then these guys are just like, yeah, man, this fucking friar or father, like whatever the hell he just, he's, he's been curing blind kids by rubbing mud on their eyes. It's fucking wild. He's just like, Jesus, I swear to God, <laughs> I can't even remember all these. They blur together, but unironically, like if you get to like that, if you, if you go to fucking Catholic school and they're not doing Catholic canon and they're doing that weak ass, Milk toast bullshit American evangelicalism. I, I, that shit can eat a whole ass. If the coolest thing about religion is a fucking pickup truck with a sticker on it to you, you're fucking, you're bad at religion. You suck at it. You should quit. Like you're fucking trash, dude. Leave it to the pros. Like this, that, that, I, these motherfuckers in the past, in the Catholic canon and shit, would just be losing their minds. Just syphilitic fucking brain damaged bleeding out like their noses and stuff. It'd always be something like, and then King, whatever the fuck of wherever is, uh, who's, who was afflicted with such pains as did make his ear bleed once a day. And he was, he had to like stick a, stick a cloth in his ear and could barely hear, um, look to the sky and saw the fucking clouds part in a great eye made of 10,000 irises turned on to him and blinking said, March for Jerusalem. He's like, fuck yeah, dude, dude, Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc is more gangster. That story is fucking insane. 
I know I'm supposed to be talking about blasphemous, but like literally you have to have this vibe. If you, if you just open up blasphemous, you'll start looking at it and you'll be like, this, this is insanity. Like if you're raised like, you know, whatever, like American evangelical Methodist, Baptist, something like that, Protestant, you have no idea what the fuck's going on. If you're like a milk toast, like Midwest, not even Midwest, like upper Midwest fucking like Catholic. I ran into Catholics in North Dakota that are basically just more Christians. I was just like, your guys vibe is wrong. You're not doing the guilt and alcoholism real. And you're like talking about politics in church. You should keep politics for the undercroft and be just in church, generally considering crusading again. And you don't know why, but it's because you're basically brain damaged and violence is part of your culture, violence and guilt. (laughs) But God damn it. What the fuck was I saying? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. If if you're just like a little like truck nudge, Jesus is my co-passenger. Boo. Boo. Fuck that. Jesus wouldn't even talk to you. Jesus does not give a fuck about anyone. That's like one of the other parts of like the, the canon is like the interpretations of the Bible. The Catholic interpretations are basically like Jesus is literally the son of God. He is not listening. You do not get your own personal Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not talking to you because you are not fucking blessed. You've got to have like, and if you do, if you go walking around back in the day, if the Catholic church heard you walking around talking about you were talking to Jesus and you were talking to the Holy Spirit and shit and you had some opinions on things, they'd be like, miracles, two, not just one miracle, not just one, two miracles. I want two or I think it might even be three. (laughs) to get sainthood if you can't do one we are going to fucking flay you alive or burn you but your skin's coming off before your brain dies just understand that about your immediate future that shit was fire kenneth copeland would be dragged out and like given the the saint peter's crucifixion in a muddy square for talking out of turn it would be awesome like unironically like if we have to deal with religious fundamentalists i want to go back i want to go back to the inquisition i want guys in 15 layers of silk and linen with golden masks over their faces and pointed caps waving fucking bannered staves above their heads scrawled in a dead language that none of the peasants around them can speak screaming about witches like fuck fuck everything else do you know we used to stand for something in this faith (laughs) that's that's one of the biggest reasons yeah i'm not catholic well first off it just doesn't even make any sense the the stories it's all pretty much obviously made up but like also you can't be going to Catholic church and looking at all these fucking corpses on the walls. These like people praying with arrows and shit. And like some of them have their fucking, they're holding their hands up to show you where the first marks of the flaying are. And then you're like, you know, I'm really concerned about the gay people. It's like, no, you're not. 15th century peasants were concerned about shit. If you were really concerned, you would shave your heads Put all of the hair and make a rope of it, douse that in anointed oils, and then go hang whoever the fuck you were mad at while, like, dancing around them and throwing, like, incense. And then you would burn down that tree and erect a statue over it to, like, the patron saint of the area. That's concern. That's religious concern. What you are is, like, a bitch. 
you're kind of like a, just a, 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 you're a mental, a mental invalid. You're just a weak person. You don't got, you don't have any fucking, you don't have any dedication to shit. You're not insane 14th century Catholics. You're not 700 years of violence and disenfranchisement. You're just a douchebag with a truck. Shut up. I fucking love blasphemous because if you understand that aspect of Catholicism and the Catholic canon and real Catholic fucking European history, you're like, yes, I get it. There's, it's it's so weird to think of people who are like watching Indiana Jones and the last crusade and they're like, wow, this is kind of crazy and like over the top. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We believe this. When I was when I was in school, when I was in Catholic school and like fucking eight years old, watching um Indiana Jones and the uh and the last crusade. Literally, you're talking about the actual, we believe almost literally every aspect of this history of my faith. And unironically, because it's Catholic Catholicism, and this is the best part, if it sounds cool enough, we'll just write it in. It doesn't have to be true. None of it fucking is. We'll just add it. If you went, if we made that movie, right, and there's another like a Catholic Dark Age comes and somebody remembers the plot of the last crusade, they will fucking write that in a, in an illuminated manuscript, put a gold lock on it and then file it up in some fucking. And now that's, that's, <laughs> it was in the year of 1970 when Indiana Jones and his father did against the Nazis fight. They did walk far through the crescent moon into the temple of the lost saint. And he did kneel before God and he did walk the God, the name of Jehovah, and he did walk across the lion's jump, and he showed courage, and he did show humility in the face of the dying saint, and drank from the water, where is the Nazi who did not believe, did not show humility before the God, and he was turned to stone and dust. <laughs> like, fucking, yes, yes, I fucking love it, man. Uh, you gotta think of these things positively, but like, yeah, if you even watch that and you're not from like a Catholic background, like a real Catholic background too, not just like, I know some people are like, I went to church and then you like see their church and it's like, what, where, where is the red and gold? <laughs> when you go to church, gigantic seven story, uh, fucking mosaic, crystal stained glass windows depicting the death of a saint should be shining oily rainbow light across the, the, the brows of a thousand penitents whose voices are raised in a mournful dirge in Latin. If you don't have that, if I go to your church and you got a fucking guitar playing, eat my fucking ass, dude. Guitars didn't exist. Jesus doesn't want to hear a fucking guitar. He wants to hear you screaming in Latin. You dick. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not performing an act of cannibalism to worship your God by literally consuming him. And only after, only after walking into a small closeted, um, lightly incense smelling room with heavy carpets and like thick 
dark wooden uh, paneling, and then you whisper your sins to a man in robes through a slot. If you're not doing that shit, you're not doing religion. You're fuck. I don't give a shit. Your religion's not cool. It's fucking lame. Let go out and commune with the trees. I, Mar, Mar, the fucking psychos that made the religion that I was born into just went and cut all the trees down and then burned witches on them. They're fucking insane. I can say, if you want to say anything about them, they're dedicated and like unwell. <laughs> I go, I go to, uh, I go to, to church to feel better about myself and feel closer to my community. No. You go, ch- you go to church to feel bad and you go to church to just to know that the world will end in fire and the punishment and pain that you'll experience may to some degree offset the insane amount of sin and filth that you have, you have tainted your, your purified baby soul with since the moment of your baptism. And only then once once the flesh is scored from your bones and you are, are, are laying in a pit of misery in the bottom of hell, <laughs> Jesus come down and be like, Hey man, we're cutting up shop. We're going to end everything. And then it's just darkness after that. When I was, when I was like six, Oh, they, they explained the concept of hell to us when I was like six. Cause you've got to, because it's like constant. I went to Catholic school for like six years. That shit was fucking wild. All right. And like, you still get like workbooks on this stuff, but our teacher was talking about hell and she's like, so hell lasts for eternity. And we were like, how long is that? Cause you're explaining abstract metaphysical mathematical concepts to six-year-olds it's it's wild but she had the best response i think i've heard this once or twice since um and she said it's like her sister explained it as every thousand years a dove passes a planet made of steel a whole planet the size of the earth made of steel and the dove's wing brushes it And once the dove's wing has brushed that planet to a grain of sand, eternity has just begun. (laughs) Which is technically still fucking wrong. (laughs) Because it's an infinite concept. Um, But man, blasphemous encapsulates all of that absolute fucking insanity. It is it's, it's, it's wild. I, I'm a longtime horror guy. Like I said, I grew up in the Catholic church, which is scary enough as it is. I was a fucking altar boy, which I think I've said before. So I, I have 100% the right to talk all of the shit I ever want about Catholicism. If I would have been an altar boy at the next church up the road at St. Uh, at St. Oh, is that St. Al's? That's the one where they were fucking kids. I was at the next one down. I, I, I got spared. I had a normal guy as a priest. The next one up, though. The next one up. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> that's so dark. But it's, we're talking about Catholicism now, man. It's fucking... The, the gates are open. Um, so, Blasphemous just gets it, man. Um, I think I've said this before, but you just got to look up the art style. It's, it's gnarly. It's based on um, what people call Black Spain, uh, which is a period of 
half deserved and half undeserved um, negative stereotyping of the country of Spain in like 1700s, 1800s Europe. I don't know. This is like uh, just ancient, ancient bigotry, I guess, and stuff, but also like some of it's fairly well fucking deserved. So you've heard of obviously the Spanish inquisition. So that's, that's, that's one aspect of it. But the the greater um, articulation of black Spain was that it was this dark, backwards like smoky burning kingdom right made of and in spain is like spain's a very complicated place it's actually several kingdoms it was hispania which is land of the rabbits <laughs> hilariously enough as named by the romans um because there were just so many fucking rabbits everywhere in spain apparently conejos and so um spain as it is now and i, I make even a joke about this in uh in, in sin carriers is, is still the people of the country of Spain. I think it's actually the Spanish confederation is how they, they call it. And then some other people, if you talk to the wrong person about Spain, they're going to be like, no, it's not this, it's this, it's this, it's this, but they have a lot of people that are trying to like break off. And, you know, there's different, a bunch of different kingdoms inside. Um, so like, and princedoms, dukedoms, whatever the fuck. They have a, an extremely confusing setup. Uh, it, it's probably a, a series of history classes just if you grow up in Spain to try to figure out how the fuck, where the fuck the line, the moment the line passed your village and then you became included in whatever the fuck people are calling Spain. Um, and, geez, I, I, I should... I could just go and do a, a whole fucking video on, on Spain once I started learning about it. Cause it is wild. Um, but black Spain was basically like all of the, a lot of the former Roman Catholic empire or yeah, the Roman Catholic empire, the Holy Roman empire. There we go. The Holy Roman empire, um, in the, the North Eastern part of Spain uh, or, or of Europe were like, starting to reform and become governmentally and religiously independent of Rome. Um, even if they still had, you know, actual papist Catholics in the country, it was kind of inferred like, Hey, this is render unto Caesar time. Like you, you live, you live in Prussia. Okay. So you're a Prussian citizen. You can do Roman Catholic mass and stuff. But if, you know, if we get fucking weirded out, like you guys are going to try and do papistry, like, well, we're going to fuck you up. And that's a, that's a, that's ancient Catholic shit. Uh, although it still kind of comes up nowadays uh, that people, that people are ever like, Hey man, I'm a Catholic, but you know, I think the Ku Klux Klan has a fucking blah, 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 blah. Like dude, the Ku Klux Klan is like anti-Catholic, anti-Jew and anti-black. It's literally the three things that they hate. I don't know when the fuck, the clanners forgot that they were supposed to be anti-Catholic, but that was one of the things was one of the biggest reasons of fucking hated them so much in Ohio was because they were also just like, also your papists too. Like we're bigoted against even us white folk kind of thing. You know, that's when I was growing up, I was like, what in the fuck's going on? They're like, yeah, KKK, the clue, the clucks and the clan, whatever the fuck, however it works out is basically Jews, black people and fucking, uh, papist Catholics, which to them were all Catholics. Um, so that, that, that's a, that's a distinction too. Like in Catholicism, it, it it's kind of like Zionism, honestly. And like, uh, for, for Jewish people, um, you can just be like a normal Catholic person who's like, I go to church and then I forget that I'm a Catholic for a week until Sunday or until Easter or, or Christmas 
every third year kind of thing, or I just don't do it. You know, I'm like ethnically Catholic kind of deal. Like everyone around me does all the Catholic shit. You fucking cross yourself every once in a while because you're like, yeah, what the fuck is going on here? It's that sort of thing. Um, Papists, papist Catholics, like actual papists, which don't exist as much anymore. It's never been that big of a thing in America. Uh, although people do say shit like that, especially if you get over to like East coast, anti-Catholic bigotry is like an ancient thing. Um, papists are basically just Catholics who, whose first allegiance is to the Pope, which is technically accurate to the Bible, but like only in a religious sense. Although some people do think that you should be like militantly, uh, militantly loyal basically to the Pope. And like, if fucking Rome is like, Hey, start doing, I don't know, sectarian violence in your country, you should start doing it, which literally has not been echoed by a single living Pope, uh, a single Pope in living memory, or like even a lot of them since then, I think like Vatican one basically, or something like that ended papistry at which point it was just like, no, we're a religious organization religiously and for all of your faith and most of your like moral and ethical considerations, you should turn to Rome and papal bulls and stuff like that. But for everything else you should, uh, you know, render unto render, render unto Caesar, which is like an, like a thing. I've I heard that in Catholicism all the time. And then you don't hear that from anybody else. Uh, but it basically means like, Hey, the government is the government on earth and God is the government for everything else. So like on earth relative to the government that's around you, do what, do what they say. And it's like a, a greater like idea of like, don't fucking don't be weird at like work, you know, don't be like, I don't think God would want me to do this. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's your job. Okay. You're the guy that cleans toilets. Like, well, God said, do not touch like unclean. Like shut up and you, you're fuck you're a janitor. You got to clean the fucking toilet. All right. Take it easy. It's like that sort of thing, but man, fucking blasphemous just nails it. It nails the vibe. Um, and going into blasphemous two, it hits even harder because blasphemous two takes place like a thousand years after blasphemous one. And you get the vibe that it has gone from like, you know, 300 AD, Hispania, basically like there's a few big nice buildings and stuff but that's all like inferred to have literally been created by like god and stuff like the miracle as they say in this thing to an actual like whole city and stuff that's just been recently afflicted by the plague and you can see like tons of civilians and stuff hanging out and shit um and there's people like worshiping at these different like altars and stuff and it's just an absolute fucking madhouse and the character designs and stuff just really capture the vibe of all the stuff I've been talking about that kind of like brain sick, really just over the top. The it's like the ecstasies and like ecstatic worship and stuff, which is this whole thing of just being like literally driving yourself fucking insane through your attempt to like, uh, prostrate yourself before God and shit. And it's fucking fire. And you see it in, this story, it's like, you know, like this guy, like, um, has tied his like arms and like arms and wrists together and like his legs together and like crawls only on his knees to show his humility and stuff. And like, there's a person who's like cursed by God to hold up a, a thing because they stole a shroud from a saint to cover their, um, their disfigured face. And so like their punishment is to be 
to hold up a broken gate until they're eventually killed um, by the weight of it. And like only through that can they be forgiven and like they're forgiven and it's never considered like, Oh, this is cruel and over the top. It's like, no, that's how it is in a general sense. And like you as the character are not like aware of the insidious and like predatory nature and the exploitation of the people that are getting fucked up underneath you like or as, as a part of this society, you are just literally another aspect of it, which is operating effectively. Like you're the penitent one. And so like you, you, you do, you, you're, you're penitent and like you go around doing what the fuck you're supposed to do, which is like annihilate all of these things. And like, end the miracle and blah, 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 blah. And like bring about cycles and shit. And I love that. It's not like there is no, cause this is what it always, this is the vibe in those old stories. There's never somebody like a modern story. That's like becomes aware of the system and, you know, through becoming a part of it or through resistance to it from the outside is trying to change it. It's like, you are an aspect, a natural aspect of the system, fixing the system for the benefit of the system by killing parts of the system as the system always intended. And like the sort of uh, the faded intentionality of it that like, you know, there is no other option. There is not like, there's not a different way there isn't a moment where this wasn't going to happen. Both the misery and the ecstasy of existence are like all part of a natural wheel. Like if you live as a peasant and you are, you show yourself to be the most archetypal and miserable peasant and you toil and you scrape and you, you, you basically exemplify this singular aspect of yourself, then you as that aspect will transcend and become eternal as that aspect. Even if it's a, a minor thing, you will show your value by being the most of yourself. I guess you can see a lot of my actual work in this sort of mentality too, but like, that's like, that's like inherent Catholicism and shit. That's like, uh, you know, um, small sainthood and stuff. There's actually concepts of this. And I can't quite bring them up off the top of my head that I remember back from school. But basically that's the same thing, you know, and uh, a lot of that goes into Kantian dialectics. And so that's why I fucking hate Immanuel Kant, but he makes for really good, really good fiction. If you want to try to make fiction real by pretending, then you then just do some Immanuel Kant. It's fucking fire. But man, like um, the imagery and stuff really all just captures this. I'm, I'm not hyping this up. I was playing this game last night and we're getting to the end of this segment. So don't worry. We're going to talk about Jeanette McCurdy here in a second. Um, I was getting to the end of, uh, or I was getting to this one area and I walked in, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but what I saw, because there's a lot of times where you walk into like rooms and these rooms are not quite diegetically part of the area where they're in. You can tell they're kind of like dreams within like the, the physical manifestation of this world where things like have, 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 have been forced to exist. And I froze staring 
at the screen for probably 30 or 40 full seconds, like a literal half a minute. I'm not being, and I could not move because I was so fucking shocked (laughs) by what I was looking at. And I think also like probably if you're just like an edgelord, you'd be like, all right, cool. I'm just going to move on from that. You know, I get it. But like for me, I was just like, this is hitting. There are nodes that have been permanently installed in my brain because of like Catholicism. And this just sparked off of like almost all of them. And I am in fucking ruin right now. This is the most profane and horrific thing I have ever fucking seen. This is disgusting. And I said, I was Sam, my wife is walking by. Uh, outside the room I was like hey babe do you want to see the most horrifying shit you've ever seen in your life like you literally need to come in here and she's like busy doing something else she's like okay but you know I don't I don't really think you know like literally saying like uh you're it's it better be good basically and then she comes in and she goes oh my god <laughs> and it, it really it, it fucking goes that hard the artwork the the vibe is awesome but also I gotta say to the playability the game fixed a lot of the aspects of the last game it doesn't feel as um overly simplistic and easy in the fight scenes there's a lot that's been added they reduced the rosary system i think they could have taken it out they still have rosaries but they're basically just um buffs it's 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 all just buff based and so it's like one two three stack buffs for different things for like you know elemental damage reduction fire damage physical damage all damage or like more gold more experience kind of thing um i think they could have gotten rid of that entirely but maybe they just had a character they wanted to put in there or people would have been like hey what happened to the rosaries but they have instead and i wish they would have fleshed it out more and maybe i haven't quite figured out the entirety of it is the altar system, which is fucking kind of cool as shit. So it's inferred, although you can't really see it, that your character has a silver altar built into the armor on his back, which 100% makes sense because his armor is insanely intricate and fucking hilariously cool. Um, And there's a guy that makes wooden figurines that you can put on your armor, and they have more... um, they're more effect based. So it's like, you know, increase the effect of like your, your healing item, give you super increase your strength close to death, increase, increase your strength when you're maxed out on health and like different things like damage boosts for this, for that and reduction, blah, 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 blah. But the cool thing is, is they come in double slots. So there's four, uh, four double slots. So you can put like, so eight total slots in groups of two, um, and the, the two can like work together if they're from certain things, you get a, an obvious damage boost, right? So like if they're both from the same category, you get a damage boost to like that category or like a boost in general. So like you know, magic damage, whatever health, blah, 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 blah. Um, but some of them I've gotten, I figured out cause they all have lore chunks with them and like you can kind of put them in there so that they were looking at each other and i actually unlocked a uh i unlocked an an achievement for that it's called like reuniting the siblings kind of deal which minor not even a real spoiler just like hey that's how you do it if once you figure it out i don't know if it's going to be 
when I first saw it, I thought it was going to be way more intricate than it is. And I thought it was going to be super duper cool. And I kind of wish it was, but uh, it might not be, but there's a bunch of lore things and each figure is like facing a certain direction or not facing a direction. And so I thought what it was going to be is that like you, the modifiers work based on what you have with it. If that is a thing. So like one of them's like um, he's an assassin. Like it's one of the first ones you get as a traitor. And he boosts all of your damage across all of your weapons a little bit. But in his lore, it says that he's waiting to stab somebody in the back. And so, like, I've been looking relentlessly through the lore of every single person, thinking that if he's facing that way, I find another guy that's facing to the right. And that's the guy who he's being betrayed by. And if I put them together, that'll be a thing. And then there's another one where it's a lady who is on fire looking up and it doesn't seem like anything can burn her. And she's like ecstatically looking to some white singing thing in the sky. And I figure like, if there's something that's the white singing thing that goes back, maybe that's like some sort of damage boost. I don't know, but I did work, move those other two together and it didn't seem to give me a, a bonus, but it did give me achievements. So maybe just sticking them together like that will give you some achievements in certain aspects. But if, if they had just gotten rid of the rosary thing, entirely which it's just unnecessary i understand that there's like a character that's kind of related to it in this one but even that seems kind of like kind of like an afterthought i wish they would have just gotten rid of the rosary system entirely and switched it out with the um the altar system and just fleshed the altar system out a lot more because it's such a it's so diegetically like effective to the world and the world bringing it's great all the little figurines are drawn out completely you know and they have full lore things and i just wish that their interactions made a little bit more sense and stuff so like if you could have and maybe maybe i haven't quite figured it out but if you would have put them together such that like five or six of them you know, like if, if instead of it was like two, two, two and two, it was like two, two and one, you know, like that, something like that, or like two, two, or, or like maybe you could just have different configurations of the altar, you know, that would like change up the effects going up and down. And like you would tell stories through the figurines, like basically you're, which is a thing you do in school. Uh, you'll have like, you know, like. And then Mary came and Jesus was here and blah, 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 blah. And so you're like, you're rearranging like, like the last supper kind of thing. But in this, you know, and you put them all in there, then you get like, you know, uh, quadrant story, uh, wrath of the blah, 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 blah. Or like, you know, the last martyrdom, blah, 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 this, that, that, and the other. If it worked like that, I would be giddy. I would be ecstatic to fuck with that system like until I died. I would play that like almost as a game. It's like a mini game that is your boost system. It's fucking awesome. After like a certain point, I figured this out cuz I've been playing this game called Dragon's Dogma also on the side, which I won't be doing really much of a review of because it's not particularly good. I might come back on and just smoke it a little bit. Um but I digress. In Dragon's Dogma, I really did come to the come to terms with the fact that I no longer care particularly about effectiveness of armor in games. I really just want the outfits to look good and I will go out of my way to become better at the game so that I can have the cool outfit or the neat thing happening, you know, 
then I will like, I, I would rather just get better at the game than have an easier time in a fight. And I think like you can go the other way too. And um, yeah, I just want more stuff like that. I would say another thing that kind of bugs me about the game, although it's not like a super thing. It's just because you have three weapons right in this game. And I don't know if I've said this before, but I kind of fucking hate weapon switching in. I hate weapon switching in most games because I don't know. I just don't have a feel for it. Um, And if it's not back and forth between like two and then you have to go through a cycle, I always feel like it's kind of hard to get to the third one, you know? Um, and in Metroidvanias, especially, I feel like one of the things that fucks people up the worst is this, uh, this belief that you need to have a fucking million weapons in a game. I played salt and sanctuary several months ago and, uh, it's a pretty fun game, very bare bones, pretty basic. Um, but like a lot of heart into it as like a, a, a very indie game. But it has, it tries to be a Metroidvania Souls-like, right? And so to that end, it has like six classes of character, basically, um, and a bunch of weapons for every character, too. So you can have bows, you can have crossbows, you can have daggers, double daggers, a sword and a shield, a two-handed weapon, you can do two-handed magic, one-handed magic, one-handed magic and a weapon. And there's, so there's a lot of variety, but it ends up going from, it ends up making the game feel like there's less variety, which happens a lot of the time because basically you can't balance out every weapon, really. And so there's going to be meta sets. You know, there's going to be the meta game around just trying to find the best set kind of thing and, and going for it. And because there's not like particularly unique weapon animations, it's all, it's a puppet animated um, game. So there's not unique drawings. It's just basically this thing's arms swing back and forth at different speeds, depending on the attack speed of the weapon kind of deal. Um, Because of that, it just doesn't like using different weapons and stuff doesn't feel particularly cool or anything. You know, you don't get like, really awesome move sets or anything like that. And uh, in blasphemous, you kind of get a little bit of that too. There's three weapons. There's a mace that you cannot block with that hits really fucking hard and catch on fires. It's skill. There's a two handed weapon, basically two swords, super duper fast, really good dash ability, and you can block and counter attack. Uh, But it has extremely low damage and a high hit rate that does not, make up for the extremely low damage even as far into the game as I've gotten. And then you have the best weapon in the game. You, you universally like literally the most utility. It should have just basically almost been the only weapon in the game. Um, and, and that's the uh, Ruega Albega or Alvega or whatever the hell I can't remember how to say the name. And it's the uh, it's like a machete curved machete style sword. Uh, not like, not like really a scimitar. It's got like a flat end to it. If I remember correctly and a bunch of blade, but that thing just goes unfathomably hard. It hits almost as hard as the, um, mace thing, which has the longest range. The mace has like double the range of even the sword, but it hits almost as hard as it. And you're constantly getting close to things anyway, or they're running at you because it's a fucking Metroid game. You know, it's 
2D, so there's not a lot of screen space. Everything's always pretty close to you, except for in extremely specific circumstances. So it, this thing can also counter. So it kind of outdoes the other thing, the little short weapon. It swings almost as fast as that weapon, too. So its damage DPS is like the highest by far, as far as I'm concerned. And then if you put like the damage upgrades on it, it's great. So you can block with it. You can hit basically as hard as the mace does. The mace swings unfathomably slow and you can't block with it. So like half of the enemies in the game, you either have to be jumping and like really planning out a whole like series of swings to hit everything. And hopefully they get knocked back or you're just going to get hit. And it's like, all right, well that was pointless. Um, it catches fire, which is like half of the enemy areas are some sort of fire enemy. Um, that's its base element. So it's fucked that thing. And then the, uh, sword thing has, you can hit a power up after you do so much damage. It damages you a little bit, but then you can get like, if you hit people, you heal. And so you can like hit them. And it also hits like gets four hits on them to like, uh, one swing basically for some of the, some of the strikes and it does extra damage in the mystical type, which I have not yet run into an enemy. That's like so resistant to mystical energy or damage that it doesn't damage it as opposed to the fire damage, which there's like 50% of the damn enemies in the game just don't care or are only slightly damaged by it. The lightning damage is on the last one. And then that thing's lightning damage is kind of just negligible anyway as well. But like it's uh, there's no reason to not be using that weapon. The game feels like it was made around that weapon, but you have to switch between them to do random things at random times. And it never feels like it's really fucking worth it. Like ever. Um, the, the thing I want from games like this is to not have weapon switching basically ever. I, I don't really care to do it. And it doesn't feel particularly good. I, I can just go straight to straight to fucking um, hollow Knight in this and just be like hollow Knight, You don't do any weapon switching. You get three additional attacks during the game, all of which can be upgraded one time. And they are specific magic attacks. Um, this game also has magic system that is kind of like, it's kind of broken too. Um, because there's some magic that apparently doesn't work or I just haven't figured out what the hell it hits. Some of it is extremely hard hitting. One of it is a thing that is basically just a return to home. That should just be an item and not a whole spell. And like, they're kind of just like, they're just kind of there. What I want from this. And, and, and like it happens anyway. So, you know, in these games, you, you get mobility upgrades, you know, you unlock the double jump, they call it whatever, you know, but it's a, a double jump or this or that. Every one of the weapons has a movement upgrade attached or a, um, a, a progress upgrade attached to it. So like the big mace thing hits bells that make uh, certain doors open and certain platforms appear. The double dagger sword things are the best because you hit mirrors with them. These like mirrors with light shining out of them. And it just rockets you in the direction of whatever it is. So there's like times where you go and hit all these like mirrors going up. That shit goes fucking hard. And then the, uh, the best weapon, uh, the machete thing is just a big down strike that if you do it from more than a double jump up, it can go through certain walls and floors. Fine. I would rather all of the aspects of those weapons be put into your standard move set as part of your move set 
then have them like mixed up. I don't think that there's much gained from having them mixed up in the first place because none of them can get you through a level without having to switch between the other ones. The switch is not integrated into attacks, which is also a thing. Like if it's going to be a game, like if you, if you have like a old devil may cry and stuff, I think it is that has this, there's like things that you can hit where you're like, all right, now I'm pressing the other, the switch weapon button. And so like, I can make that a part of my combo. And so it kind of really expands my move set. Whereas in this, the, 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 the fucking mace only has one swing. As far as I, I know so far, you can just swing it one time. Woof. And then the, the daggers are like, just jam on it. And then you have a machete thing and the fucking machete thing is a fucking machete thing. It is what it is. Um, it swings like four times and then it's like a down strike. If you just had all of those aspects mixed into your basic move set, I would prefer it so much more like, okay, put my basic big medium, medium, heavy strikes onto that as my X attack. That's my basic go-to for, and then put like that plus down or plus forward and have him switch into the daggers and stuff. Have the daggers be a part of, they unlock my dash, right? So I'm doing that. And then like, maybe they are the way that I unlock how I do my counter strikes and stuff. And so he's just switching between those. And then you'll have like those big color flashes. And then like up and X would be like a juggle or a heavy smash. And that's my, my mace. So that when I'm jumping, I can use the mace to swing up at things. And then if I press normal attack in the air, it's my, my thing, you know, whatever my, my basic middle. And then if I press down while I'm in the air, because this game has a small hollow Knight style um, down strike bounce attack. Then I can use the daggers to strike down and like kind of do a bounce. And so you could even do like, it'll be a, like a nice mix jump strike, strike with uh, my, you know, my middle attack strike, strike down, juggle up, juggle up, and then press up for a big swoopy slash. And then while that's, you know, finishing, press down and get a down strike like a, or double down or whatever and get my big down strike down slash. Maybe that's on the up X and that whole thing just goes bam and comes down. I think that would be so much more better. Like I just want that shit from these games, you know, like to have it actually just all feel integrated because having to switch between these things mid fight, it's also kind of slow. And if you miss, there's like, it it sucks because each one of these things, well, two of them have their own independent meters. The lightning one has a, you haven't gotten hit and you've delivered whatever, five, 10, 15 strikes. Now you get lightning damage until you get hit or you can press the RB button and get like a special attack off of it. You know, whatever this, this special attack is and it uses those and it goes away. The other one builds it up regardless. The, the, the sword builds it up regardless of what's going on. And so you hit with it. And like it builds it up slowly and it's always trying to go back down too. But once it hits max, it stalls like that for a few seconds and you can turn it on. You do some damage to yourself and then you can start slashing a fuck out of whatever you're fighting and doing a whole bunch more damage. If you switch between them, those, those fucking meters go away and you can't have them anymore. It's fucking stupid as shit. (laughs) It drives me absolutely insane. And so like, if you switch between weapons, um, it's always a deficit in the game because you'll 
if you're in the the mace and you have to switch, the mace is on fire and it's draining your the mace drains your 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 magic for whatever reason. It just doesn't have its own thing. It just drains your magic. Um, the thing, the the one thing, strike bar will go away. The other thing's electric bar will go away. And so, like, there's no it it, it kind of like makes you want to not switch between the weapons anyway, which is like, you know, a pain in the ass, especially because every once in a while I forget. And so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm activating my thing, but I hit the LB instead of the RB. And then I switch and I'm like, well, fuck me then I don't get to use my, my attack or I'll do it. And the worst one that happens is I switch off of my thing and go to the stupid mace and I go, ah, fuck. And then immediately off muscle memory, I hit the mace thing and then the mace is on fire and I'm burning up my MP. Like, God damn it. I just wish all those things were part of the one. That doesn't mean that the game's not good. I will say that. I just wish all of those. I wish that like complicated attack thing was all just part of one cohesive growing move set that comes straight from the character. If you think about it, something like Super Metroid, you know, you switch weapons, quote unquote, but it's always still the same move set with different like variables added. So you just tap LBRB and then you can go to like missiles or super missiles, you know, but you're still kind of like fighting the same way. And the switching in that makes a lot more sense um, in my opinion. And then, you know, you can upgrade your, you upgrade your bombs, you upgrade your, your, your jump attacks and stuff. And it all kind of just feels like what you started with, you now have more of and more like value in as opposed to when you get these things, it's like, fuck, you know, whatever. Also, because there's three upgrades to these weapons during it that just unlock upgrade paths. Each one of them has three tiers of upgrade path. Um, for some reason, the Ruedo Albega thing that I got, or I guess maybe it's just because I, how I started the game, even though I started the game with the double daggers, I found both of the upgrades for that thing first, which means I found it because whatever you start with, you have to find the other two things in the world. So I... I had to find it and I managed to find it its second upgrade and its third upgrade before I found one upgrade for either of the other two weapons, both of which were hidden. I've now found out a little bit in areas that were much, 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 much deeper in the game than the, uh, the machetes upgrades, which is just like, it's insane to me. I don't fucking, I don't fucking get it. I don't, I don't understand why it was the way that it was like that. It's just, it's kind of a pain in the ass to me in, in my heart and in my mind. I think it's just kind of dumb uh, because it makes it so like you get, you get damage upgrades and like defense upgrades and like all that to, and, and move set upgrades. So it's like, why am I going to go into battle against this boss fight in this boss fight? with this mace ever it's slow i can't block um the moveset is not very good and also it's just locked into the first upgrade path while it wears the other one's fully upgraded right now like what what in the fuck is the incentive for me to switch to that thing it just doesn't make a lick of fucking sense um but that's kind of like the only problem i have with the game really uh and those are just gripes that i have with metroidvania games in general that sort of exist nowadays is I think if you're a creator for one of these, and I think that's one of the best things about hollow Knight and I'll always go back to hollow Knight Cause it just figured out every problem and achieved it. And if you just have a, con a if you're confused about something, 
You should always just look to that goddamn game. Um, the simplistic move set is not as simple as it looks. You have, you know, a charge strike, and you can kind of, you know, get a nice little charge strike and stuff, and you can bounce. But because you can bounce and you've got, you know, your three other things that you can do, you can mix those up with such variety. And because they're so well developed that like a fucking any hollow Knight fight scene looks like insanely frenetic. It's hard for people to follow, especially if you've never seen the game played before and you don't even know where to be looking where this guy is going to go. And you watch something like the third Coliseum. You're like, what in the absolute fuck is this guy doing? This is, this is insanity. This is madness. This makes no fucking sense. Jumping, bouncing off spikes, jump, bouncing off multiple dudes, landing down strike, uh, dodge cancels, all kinds of crazy ass bullshit. But you know, you're, you're just, you, you figured out the entirety of the combat system first basically. And then it all went from there. Like I always think about this when, um, I, I've watched like one of their making of documentaries and they said the first thing that they worked on in hollow Knight relentlessly, like for a month was the jump was the jump basically. Yeah. Uh, animation, the speed of it, the programming of it. So they worked on only just that. So, you know, you have your hollow Knight and just getting him to jump in a way that they like, I, I actually just, I, I can, if you were watching this on video, I swear to God, my brain can automatically figure out. It can always remember the hollow Knight jump speed because I've seen it so many times. I like literally just envisioned him jumping across the, uh, the bars on my, my digital audio workstation. Um, but just like kind of just making sure that like, once you, once you've got that practice down and stuff and you know, like, that's what I want to do, then you kind of go from there. And I think that sort of solidity of intention is really what makes that game so fleshed out and good. Hopefully it carries over to their second game. Silk song. Like I said, sometimes um, even if it's not a cash grab, your, your, your sequel kind of fucks up in a little bit. I think um, in the case of the blasphemous guys, I think they were just turning out games a little bit faster than they necessarily needed to. You know, uh, Blasphemous came out, I think, three or four years ago now, uh, right around a little after I started the podcast. And it's already gotten uh, a sequel, and it had three, three or four DLCs. Right, it might not even been that far uh, far back. It might have just been like 2019. Okay, well, that's four years ago. Never mind. <laughs> um, but Hollow Knight came out, I think, originally in 2014, right? Um, 2014, 2015, and then um, got a much larger off Steam release to like the Xbox and stuff in 2016. And in the intermediaries of that, they released a number of uh, major updates and bug fixes and um, DLCs, basically. Uh, the the DLCs for Blasphemous, I didn't even bother playing the second one because it came out five months ago, like right when they were announcing this new whole fucking new game. Um, although I guess I can always go back and check it out. I'm excited for the DLCs for this, but the DLCs for Blasphemous um, were pretty thin. Basically, one of them was really just a boss fight spread over seven boss fights that you had to go find all of the bosses. And, you know, I, I appreciate the additional content and stuff, but it doesn't feel 
fully fleshed out. But still, like, I really appreciate the colors and stuff. And the boss itself was really cool looking, um, even though it, it, it basically it has seven different ability attacks. And then you just kind of went around and fought the mini version of it in the game. And each one of those only used one of its individual attack style. So it has like an ax, a spear, a blah, 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 into this, which actually is basically my contention that the thing should be all using its entire move set instead of uh, just being stuck with one individual move the entire time. And it doesn't quite make it. I mean, it doesn't quite track, but you get what I'm saying. But ultimately like, man, blasphemous two is fucking awesome. Like really, it is just great. It's, it's super addictive. Um, the gameplay cycle is fun and there's tons of stuff to do. There's a lot of like, I, even deep in the game, I'm discovering additional quest lines and things. Um, the map is massive. I don't know how much game I have left. Um, I think I've only got like maybe three or four, three or four probably boss bosses, like, you know, main game bosses until the end, unless there's like a large area that i haven't figured out yet kind of deal this or that but um i'm really looking forward to uh to, to finishing it and yeah i think i can wrap it up there uh catholic nightmare fuel metroidvania it's the best blasphemous too go check it out it's on steam right now i don't think you can play it off uh off steam i don't think you can play the original one off steam either but if you have steam buy blasphemous too it's only like 25 bucks it's really it's absolutely worth it if you want to know more about this if you're if this is your first time listening to the west side fairy tales by the way welcome uh the hlcs you, you made it all the way to the end of one of these things um not knowing that this was not fiction the whole time these are the non-fiction uh bonus episodes that are a part of this podcast and if you want to learn more about anything west side fairy tales related go to west side fairy tales Dot com. That's westsidefairytales.com. All of my social information, all of my links, all of my merchandise, all of the uh, things that you could possibly want to know about me, the podcast, my work, or um, the live stream are all available there. Also, you should consider joining our Discord. There is a link to uh, join the Discord in the um in the description of this video, you can talk about the show there. You can also inter interact with uh, some of our West Side Live people. It's rapidly taking off. Uh, there's like, like I think almost 100 or if not like 150 people in the server now. Uh, we are having visual arts competitions in there. We're having uh, narrative arts competitions, audio stuff. So if you are a audio, visual or uh, audio creator, a narrative cre audio creator, a visual creator, or a narrative creator. Like you like to write, you like to draw, you like to make stuff in Blender, do 3D renders, you like to do Foley, you like to make music. You should consider joining uh, the West Side, our Discord server, the West Side, and um, it, checking all that stuff out. You can share some of your work there if you are an artist. You can ask for critique. Um, I suggest you make give critiques and stuff and engage with the community a little bit before you just start asking like, hey, how this how does this look? Um, but also you can sign up for specific roles and stuff in the discord and get notified when there are weekly art challenges and the uh, maybe monthly by monthly. I'm not exactly sure um, competitions for prizes that will 
come up. So um, if that's something you're looking forward to or something you're interested in and you want to possibly win a prize, uh, possibly get involved with this kind of stuff, go to discord.com slash the invite code in the episode description. Um, I should be coming out with a new episode of Sin Carriers, Sin Carriers episode 15, Drown, I believe. Um, probably in about a month or so, may, hopefully sooner, but I don't know. I'm strapped for time, and I'm trying to make sure everything is good. I am doing a lot of stuff on the sides with the uh, book things. We've been doing conventions for like two months now. Uh, and I'm just out of time, <laughs> so, but I do want things to sound good. So I have to sit there and make sure that they sound good. I'm also doing the audio book for West by God on the side as well. I have about a quarter of that in total, um, recorded and we'll be releasing that pretty soon, pretty soon as well. So with all that said, um, check out all my stuff, hit me up, send me emails, talk to me if you'd like, and, uh, try to join the discord and, I hope to catch you guys in the West Side Tyler stream, but with all that said, yeah, until next time, as always, stay safe out there.